Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone. This is a quick shout-out to thank all the wonderful people who are members of the Set Lusting Booth Patreon page. So we have Jess Ulmer, Sylvia L, Liz Bronson, Yetta, Fernando Lozano, Steve Vansack, the ghost of Floyd, Rob, Crystal Carroll, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Dale Hozek, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. So go to patreon.com, look for Set Lusting Bruce. If you want to support me, I would appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, and thank you, my wonderful Patreon supporters. I was always a bit of a writer, even as a child, and I did. I just loved storytelling. I loved creating creating a whole world out of, out of nothing. And, and, you know, for a while I worked as a journalist, but also I've worked in communications and marketing and in any of those cases, whether, whether it's writing about what's actually happening in the world or whether you're being a little more creative about it, mm-hmm. you're, you're always sort of conjuring that you're always figuring out the best way to tell this story, you know, whether it's fact or fiction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Uh, Joining me uh, this evening is a new friend. Let me make sure I can get the name right, Deb Filsman, and welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, let's see. What can I tell you? Uh, I have been a Springsteen fan for, I don't know, 25 years or so. Um, I'm originally from the East Coast, not not far from Springsteen land. I, I grew up uh, on Staten Island, um, and now I live in Chicago. Um, I am a writer and editor, and I work in marketing as well. Um, and I, I guess that's about it for me. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. So um, so you're like two when you started first liking Bruce. Exactly. Exactly. Very Just nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me about uh, growing up. You said it was there on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about um, growing up, what kind of music your parents listened to. Talk to me about that. Sure. Um, you know, music wasn't a huge deal for my, for my parents that I can recall. Um, 
you know, they always encouraged my brother and I to, to listen to whatever, whatever we enjoyed. Um, and there were, there was a nice stereo in the house and there were um, a lot of records, but I don't actually remember them being played all that often. Uh, and in fact, when they were, it was usually me playing them uh, as a little kid. So they, they had some, some good stuff, you know, they, and it introduced me to, um, let's see, the, the Carpenters, uh, Dylan, Jim Croce, Linda Ronstadt. I mean, I mean, there were there were some nice records there, um, and I kind of took over and and grabbed them and would take them to my room and um, and play them there. And I I still have them in my possession here in Chicago, um, but they they didn't play them much. I remember my dad maybe occasionally would put on something like Nat King Cole or <laughs> something like that. Um, my mom, uh, the most I really remember her listening was she had this little this little black transistor radio that that was plugged in in the corner of our kitchen. And when she was cooking or you know doing anything in the kitchen, she would turn it on. And I just remember as a little kid lying on the floor in the kitchen, listening to it with her while she cooked dinner um, and getting yelled at to get up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was really, all, you know, and, and for her, it was probably, you know, a light rock station or, you know, top 40 or something like that. Um, so there wasn't much, you know, precedent in my house for, for music. Um, but, you know, I just kind of listened to a little bit of everything, whatever random bit made its way in the house and, and didn't really get um, super into to music until a little bit later. So I was going to ask that. What do you think... Why do you think you found a passion in music um, unlike your parents? And do you have siblings? Yep, I have I have the one brother, uh, older brother. Um, you know, I, I think it was really my uncle, my mom's brother, um, who is always a huge, huge music fan. Um, to this day, you know, a lot of friends think I go to a lot of concerts. Um, I just see a lot of live music whenever I can. Um, and he still beats me. He still, you know, goes to more shows than I do just about every night of the week. He's going to something. Um, and I think it was really him that en encouraged me. And and he took me to my first, uh, my first concert and then, you know, dozens and dozens more through the years. Uh, and when I, when I go back to New York to visit, he's, he's always my concert buddy still. He uh, he's like, oh, okay, Deb, you're coming. We yep. got this. Okay, I've got us plans for this. That that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, can you remember when you first discovered Bruce, and what about him and his music spoke to you? Um, you know, I was probably in high school, um, and this was. Uh, you know, the 90s. So it was before the reunion tour. And honestly, I think it was my brother who, um, he's two years older than me, and he went away to college. And I think it was, I don't know if it was his roommate or a friend of his, um, was a really big Springsteen fan. And, you know, it, it kind of rubbed off on my brother a bit. And so he came home listening to a lot of Springsteen, you know, on breaks. And I kind of grabbed some, grabbed onto some of that, you know, grabbed a CD or whatever. Um, and, you know, I, obviously I had awareness of Springsteen. I'd heard, you know, you know, the, the hits, the, the glory days and hungry heart and stuff like that, but didn't know, um, you know, the, the wealth um, of, of music, you know, that he had. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I think, I very quickly latched on to greetings from Asbury Park. Um, and for many years, I, I probably would have told you that that's my favorite Springsteen album. Um, you know, and I, I think my favorite switches every, you know, a couple of years or whatever. But mm -hmm. I mean, I just loved it. And I loved the Wild, the Innocent and the E Street Shuffle. And I think it was really just the storytelling that spoke to me. You know, I, I've always said one of the things that I love about his music um, and especially his earlier work is that they're all they're all short stories. Every song is a short story. There are, there's character and setting and um, you know plot 
and you know there's a whole narrative going on and you can really picture these these specific people it's it's not it's not just like every man there's there's a very specific set of characters doing very specific things um and i i really um i really always love that I, I i agree there was um of gosh multiple years now but i stumbled upon a it was a parody account that um did a uh bruce springsteen putting out an an award-winning new collection of short stories and <laughs> it was a fake article that that named made every album a novel instead <laughs> a book written by him that was just fascinating and I, I was if you believe in alternate worlds like I would love <laughs> to visit this alternate world where you could buy a Bruce Springsteen For novel sure. the same yeah. way like you buy a Stephen King book mm-hmm. and, and explore these stories um I thought Western Stars was like a collection of Elmore Leonard short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it had that connection to Nebraska to me, this telling tales. But I agree. I think in in every way, he's always told stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I want to get to why you decided to become a journalist, but is that part of it, you think, that because you, you like to communicate, you 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 were into writing is that one of the reasons you think it spoke to you so much I think it did I mean you know obviously I was I was younger um I hadn't you know I was I was in high school I hadn't I hadn't really chosen a career path yet or or really put too much Mm -hmm. thought into it at that point but but yeah I think that's something that's always spoken to me in various ways um I was always a bit of a writer even as a child um, and and I did. I just loved storytelling. I loved creating, um, you know, creating a whole world out of out of nothing. And and you know, for a while I worked as a journalist, but also um, I've worked in you know communications and marketing. And and in in any of those cases, whether whether it's um, you know writing, you know, about what's actually happening in the world, or whether you're being a little more creative about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're always sort of conjuring that you're always figuring out the best way to tell this story. Um, you know, whether it's fact or fiction, Mm. um, and, and yeah, that, that just always, always spoke to me. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with factor meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon. 
and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds. A nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell ya, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When did you, when you, when you decided to go to school, it, it, so I take it, this wasn't something you always wanted to be like, oh, I want to be a communicator. I want to be a writer, but what led you to that path as you started going through school? You know, I, I think I kind of just fell into it. Um, I knew writing was, was one of my skills and, and something I enjoyed doing, but I didn't know how I could, you know, how I could use that moving forward and, and how that would be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, I also always enjoyed, you know, art in, in any form. I, I loved, um, I loved film. I loved novels, I, you know, um, I loved you know, visual art. Um, and so at some point, just as, as kind of something to do, something to try, um, I decided to start doing reviews uh, film reviews for the school paper um, in college. And and that kind of pushed me down that road. I, I realized how much I enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just latched on and I started writing a ton for the paper um, and went to graduate school afterwards um, to study journalism mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of never, never looked back or at least not for many years. Yeah. Do what brought you to Chicago? Um, a little bit of boredom, I think. Okay. Um, I, I had, um, as I just mentioned, I went to grad school um, and I did that in Boston. Um, and at first I thought I would live in Boston for a year or two, finish school and, and move on. Um, I wasn't a huge fan in the beginning. And somehow I just stayed there for, I think, 12 years. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I learned to love Boston and I'll, I'll defend it to the end. Um, but I think it's, it's a little bit of a small city. And, and after 12 years, I was just kind of itching for something new to explore. Um, so I just kind of almost sight unseen, I, I would say sight unseen, but I did once visit Chicago before moving there okay. and it was to see Springsteen at Wrigley. Um, that was the only time I had been there. Um, I went, I had already had that thought in my head that maybe Chicago um, sounded like the kind of city I would enjoy, had never been. And um, a lot of my friends were going to see Springsteen at Wrigley. And I thought, you know what, this, this could be a, a good test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously just, just a fun weekend. So um, I, went, I went to do that and I was like, yeah, that, that confirms it. Um, and it took me a little while, but about two years later, I moved, moved out here. Did um, have you learned to love Chicago? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely love Chicago for sure. Yeah, uh, it is. It seems like a great city. I, I visited only once, like for a conference, so I didn't get to see mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, but it seems, and and um, 
a lot of cool people have been on the podcast or talked to me about that. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it seems like a, it's on my, my list where I'd love to go see him perform there. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you have two more opportunities this summer. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, so um, when I always like to preface this, Deb, that the amount of times you've seen Bruce mm-hmm. perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Sure. Um, it is. It just all depends on your age and economic circumstances, where you live, just situations. But um do you count how many times you've gone? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Um, I, I'm, you know, all all of um, my fellow fans and friends um, seem to keep count. Everyone's, you know, sort of proud of their number. Um, I have a lot of uh, friends, whether Springsteen or, or other bands that I'm passionate about who keep spreadsheets to see which songs they've seen over the years and which they haven't. And And I don't, I don't do any of that. To me, it's still, it's just, it's fun. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to work at it. I don't want to, you know, track everything. I just want to enjoy it. So I haven't counted, but given that people ask me that a lot, yes. um, I would estimate it's probably somewhere in the 60 to 70 okay. range is my best guess. Do you, um, by the way, I, I always throw this out there because I'm that kind of geek. Um, uh, my boss time does the work for you. Um, he, you. You create a free account and it has every tour listed and you just go and go, yep, I was at that one. Yep, I was at this one. Yep, I was this one. And then it gives you all the fun things about, oh, here are your most rare songs. Here are the yeah. songs you've heard the most. So it, it's a fun rabbit hole to go down to. Uh, that for is sure. great. Um, when was your first show? Uh, my first show was on the reunion tour, and um, I, my my uncle took me to to my first probably several Springsteen shows, um, and I, I keep trying to remember if I, I bad fan here, but I don't recall if this was literally the first one I went to or not. But I think we were at Madison Square Garden, and my you know we're waiting for the show to start back in the day when. He used to be an hour <laughs> past um, past ticket time, and we're waiting. And my uncle asked me, uh, "What are you hoping to hear tonight?" And you know, again, I was I was young. I didn't know the his you know a lot of history. I'd just been listening on my own at home. I didn't have this whole Springsteen community that we have now. Um, and and I thought, well, you know, anything from Greetings or Wild and Innocent would make me happy. And, and I very specifically remember my uncle saying, well, you're, you're out of luck because he doesn't play that stuff anymore. Um, and we did wind up getting New York City Serenade. Um, we got For You. And what else did we get? I think we got at least three songs from the first two albums. And so he was like, well, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> Um, but it's one of those things where it's, where it's like, you know, I had no reason to, you know, there was no expectation that I would get those things. Um, but that's a pretty incredible first show, (laughs) um, you know, setting the standard for me. Um, so I have, I have a lot of friends who always complain about certain songs that they've never heard. And and I'm like, you know what, those were my earliest. (laughs) memories of seeing Springsteen you know not trying to brag or yes um, you know but it's it's just a whole different perspective for me I was like of course how could you have not seen that by now but well you you just never know what you're gonna get so to pull the curtain back a little bit I tend to stack episodes on top of each other so that my family you know I don't end up podcasting every night and my wife's out of town so of course, what do I do? I just book more podcasts. I'm just a boring guy. So I just recorded someone um, before you mm-hmm. and eerily similar story. He's going with his father to um, a the Rising tour, which was one of his first shows. And his dad's like, what do you want to hear? And he says, well, I want Rosalita. He goes, eh, he's not playing that this tour. And he got Rosalita. <laughs> and his dad goes, 
okay, I guess I should not say anything. <laughs> uh, so I love that. Yeah, that yeah. is absolutely great. Um, all right, hang tight because I want to hear Deb wrote an absolutely beautiful review and I want to talk more about the tour. Hold on for a minute. I've got to do a little bit of business. Let's uh, listen to these fine uh, promotions for other shows on our podcast network and we'll be back in just a moment. And we're back. Hi, Deb. Um, so you wrote a great review um, on our mutual friends, Blogness on the Edge of Town, the um, Springsteen blog. Uh, yes. And you talked about Milwaukee. And um, so give me, I've read it, and I'm sure most of my audience has, but talk about, did you have expectations going into this tour? Did they meet them? Talk to me a little bit about your experience with this tour. Sure. Um, you know, my, my expectations were actually kind of low, which I know is, is, seems like a surprising thing to say about Springsteen. Um, not, not because of, of him or, or any indications of his performance, just, um, just the situation and, and where things are in, in my life and, and maybe in his and, you know, a lot of my friends and audience members just, you know, I didn't really listen to any of his music for probably since the pandemic started. I, I've, I've for, for whatever reason that I should probably delve into at some point, um, you know, since the pandemic started, I, I kind of stopped listening to music um, at, at home anyway. Um, you know, like if I'm out in my car, I'll be listening or, you know, if I'm out with friends somewhere, but um, there used to be music playing in my apartment at all times and, and there just isn't anymore. So I haven't really listened very much to the last couple albums. Um, you know, I've, I've heard them, you know, I have some awareness and familiarity. Um, I like, I wouldn't say they're my favorite, but I like, I certainly like pieces of them and, and certain tracks. Um, you know, and I just, I didn't know what to expect of, you know, my own feelings um, about what I would be seeing and hearing um, without having that need to listen all the time. Was I just kind of moving on? Would I be as excited as I typically was? Um, you know, and just, it was a long few years. I'm I'm sort of in the high risk category. And, and so just being in an arena like that with so many people um, is still a little nerve wracking to me. So I, I wasn't really sure what I was walking into, um, you know, but I was obviously pleasantly surprised um, all around, you know, with with the show itself and with just seeing it with my friends again and um, just having that whole experience again was was really um, familiar and, and comforting and, and just nice. So I'm curious and um, I'm not trying to do armchair psychology, but um, did you, did, did podcasts, did, did TV, did movie, did books, what took up your time that was music now for your entertainment, um, you know, po mm -hmm. pandemic and such, what, what filled that void? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it was, was really um, more mindless stuff. Um, I, I watched a lot of Netflix probably, um, probably more than ever. Um, I also got a, a puppy at the beginning of the pandemic. So he's he's uh, my prime entertainment and, and constantly um, taking up my time. So that, so there, there was that. Um, I have seen, I've seen photos on your Twitter <laughs> and it is an adorable puppy dog. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was, you know, reading too, I was a voracious reader in the past. And I think during the pandemic, I just kind of eased off and, and haven't been able um, to, to hold that focus um, long enough to, to really um, move forward in, in books and, and polish them off. I have, you know, a whole bunch of them sitting half read. Um, so, you know, that, that that's something that I'm, I'm, I think, starting to get over finally, but it was just whatever it was that shifted my headspace during that time um, just didn't leave a whole lot of room, I guess, for for art and and for those things that I found um, pleasurable in the past. You know, one of the things that I'm finding is I, I do not listen as much to new music 
Um, I'm a huge John Hyatt fan. I do a John Hyatt podcast, obviously a huge Springsteen fan. Brian Wilson was, was my first obsession, but I have just really discovered podcast over the past five, six years. And the time I would have spent, oh, I should, you know, I, you know, this Belinda Carlisle, everyone's talking about, I should check her out. And, uh, you know, I should do a deep dive and on drive-by truckers and early Jason Mm -hmm. Isbell. I just end up, oh, I should do this story song podcast or (laughs) doing this. So I, I just was curious. Uh, and, you know, for me, Letter to You has a significant impact uh, mm-hmm. because of COVID and because of this um, pandemic and being in lockdown. And um, it, luckily, um, no one in my family got COVID till recently. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we did that. But the being a blueberry in a very strawberry state, I'm here in Texas, um, the the idea, and I, I joked about this in the fall of 2020, if we could get a new Springsteen album and a new president, maybe 2020 wouldn't be the worst year ever in our lives. Uh, so I have a lot of, in, of affection for Letter to You. Mm-hmm. I also think... Um, I, I hit 63. I'll turn 64. It's my Beatles year this year. Uh, and, and I do feel that, you know, the road in front of me is much shorter than the road behind me. So it spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, so with that going in, and by the way, I got COVID going to the show. I, oh, no. No, yes, I, I went, I went Friday night, February 10th in Dallas then mm-hmm. I went to Houston with my wife and I for Valentine's Day, February 14th. Oh. And then Thursday, I went by myself to Austin. And I was like, oh, and then I, we had tickets for Tulsa. I'm like, I'm going to see four <laughs> shows in two weeks. This Amazing. is the greatest thing. And I got home Friday. I worked. And then I got home. And I'm like, I don't feel good. And I woke up Saturday morning feeling horrible. And I go, okay, you've gone to three events with 50,000 people over, yeah. let's take a COVID <laughs> test. And it turned positive so fast. Oh, no. <laughs> so well, I had I'm to, sorry to hear that. Yeah. And, and of course, I don't buy insurance for tickets. No way. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, luckily, a, a, a mom, a dad, and a daughter got to go to see Bruce okay. Free. Uh, okay. And they had never gone to a show before. So, I felt money well spent. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so you're going in with um, mm-hmm. not an anticipation, a concern like, okay, I've I've kind of drifted. It's not that you've yeah. put it's yeah. not that you've put Bruce on the couch, like saying, okay, you know, we're 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 kind of I'm not unhappy with you. It's mm-hmm. just priorities have changed. So yeah. you you're walking in going, okay, it's a show. Talk to me about that. And then once it happened, what were your feelings? Yeah, um, you know, I the one thing I never would doubt is his his performance. I mean, I know, right. you know, after this many years and this many shows, I know that whatever type of show he's he's putting on, it's gonna he's gonna you know just empty the tank and put it all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no concerns about that. Um, you know, and and it's almost silly to say concerns. I had no concerns about any of it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was I was happy to be there. I was glad we were you know doing this again. Um, but I really didn't know what kind of show it would be and, and what kind of set list he was putting together. Yeah. And, um, and again, as I said, like I hadn't listened to the last couple of albums very much. Um, you know, and if I'm, I'm being honest, um, you know, I, I support, you know, him going in whatever, whatever direction he wants to, and he's, he's certainly earned the right to follow his muse wherever it goes. Um, but these probably weren't, you know, weren't speaking to me the way I, you know, in the way I would have wanted them to. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're, they're still great. You know, it's great work. I think he's accomplished what he was trying to do with these albums. Um, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted from these albums. I, um, I had, I'm sorry to interrupt. I had yeah. a great guest on after Western stars and she said, this wasn't the album I wanted from Bruce. Mm-hmm because of the political situation 
Mm -hmm. um, she was wanting a magic or something. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And so she, be and she was very, it was a, we had a wonderful discussion because she's like, I'm, I'm not saying his, he can't follow his muse, but it, it wasn't what I needed at this time. Exactly. Right. And so I get that. I, I totally understand that. So mm -hmm. just wanted to make that point. Go ahead. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, in a couple of years, I might listen to it again and say, this resonates with me completely now. It's, it's just where I am right now. That's not what mm -hmm. I needed. Um, right. and, and I agree with, with your previous guest. Um, you know, I would have loved a really pointed, angry album. And, and right. I completely respect that that's not where he was. Um, but that probably would have spoken to me more given everything <laughs> that's yes. been going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was just curious. I really had no idea where he was going to go with it. Um, I kind of made a point to not look at set lists the way I normally would on tour mm -hmm. to not know all the minutia, um, that I have on previous tours, you know, of course, set lusting every, every night on, on Twitter or wherever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I have some friends who, who laugh when I say this, but there's a lot of songs that I absolutely love, um, will always love, um, always enjoy hearing. But <laughs> the, the thing that they laugh about is I say, I don't need that. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I've seen it, you know, 60 times live and I don't need it, which is obviously a very, um, a very privileged thing for me to say to have had the opportunity to see it so much. But you know, at this point, I'd love to hear things that I haven't heard much. Right. Um, so, so in, in that sense, you know, when, when we were walking out of the stadium in, in um, Milwaukee, uh, or the arena, I should say, I, I was thinking this is really, I mean, a few of these sort of darker, um, more reflective sort of, you know, the Reaper is coming kind of songs um, thrown in from, from, you know, Letter to You. But otherwise it was really, uh, I hesitate to say, a, a greatest hit show, you know? I mean, he's not specifically touring an album right now per se, and, and that's what it was. And I, and I was fine with that and I loved the show and, you know, I thought everything was great, but if I'm being honest, like I would have loved to hear other things. Um, yeah. You know, and I know I, I I saw a tweet from Steve Van Zant the other day that that I found um, particularly interesting, where someone was I think saying something similar about, yeah. um, you know, not the lack of like deep cuts or or what have you, mm -hmm. and and he was like, well, just you know, this is a different thing. Enjoy your memories of what you had previously, and you know, a lot of people like this, and and I'm sure they do. I mean, it, it's a great show. Um, but it, it's not what I would have preferred, again, similar mm -hmm. to the albums. Um, you know, with a Bruce show, you can't go wrong no matter what. But, you know, we, we all have those little, those little nuggets we'd, we'd like to see and hear. So what I love about your comments is that you are self-aware to know that this is just speaking for you. Mm -hmm. um, the the issue I've had with social media, which is a blessing and a curse, <laughs> um, is the sense of the entitlements of people. Mm -hmm. I can't believe this. You know, I bought three show tickets right. because he's supposed to change the set list every now, yeah. and now I'll he's not. <laughs> now I dare him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I will. I will send you. Um, Craig Colby was just recently on the podcast and. He was at the show and he, he wrote up, you know, Steven said, we're trying to tell a story mm -hmm. and, and other people have said that. And um, I will send you this. Craig wrote what he thinks the story is. And mm -hmm. I found it very interesting. Like he said, no surrender ghost, prove it all night. This trifecta to start says that we are soldiering on in the face of age and mortality. We're going to bring it tonight. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, letter to you. My relationship with my audience is important to me. And mm -hmm. so he went through that. And um, I get if someone is saying, well, it's not what I wanted. And 
what I love is when people are smart enough to say, not smart enough, aware enough that it's like you're saying, you know, I think um, the rising would have been stronger if we dropped some songs, but <laughs> none of us are going to agree with what songs should have been dropped. Right. 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 And, and so what, you know, and I was laughing at the guys on None But the Brave. They were talking about how wonderful it was to get trapped. What a gift. And to me, trapped is just another cover song. <laughs> it it means nothing yeah. to me. No, I hear that. I, and, that. And so, I, I love trapped, but I totally yeah. understand. Oh. And so I think, and then um, and I think this is partly because I grew up loving comic books. And a saying in a comic book is every comic book is someone's first comic book. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, when you're writing, you need to make this inclusive. You need to make sure you your characters call someone by the other name so they mm -hmm. will know. And every Springsteen show is someone's first Springsteen show. Yep. And to do that, it's kind of there. Um, my wife asked me, because I went to four shows on the New River Tour, you know, and mm -hmm. back. Yep. And she says, weren't you bored? Because it was <laughs> the same. I said, the songs I loved, I loved. The songs I don't like, I didn't like. <laughs> right? Yeah, but but it's always, and, and I, you know, and I think I even put this in, in my review as well. I, yeah. I'm always stunned when people ask me, like, you saw it again? Like, why do you keep seeing the same show? And you know, I always compare it to, you know, someone having season tickets to yeah. um, a, like a baseball team or something, you yeah. know, they're going to way more games than I am shows. And to me, it's all the same, you know, they throw a ball, someone hits it, Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not a baseball fan. So, um, so that's how I feel about it. But, you know, obviously that's how people who are not, um, not as passionate about music, live music feel about well, our repeat. <laughs> Yeah, no, and and I I report I I talked to somebody on Spring Nuts Facebook right. They said, "Aren't you? Don't you find this boring?" And I said, "You know, I've gone three times. I didn't find it boring. Mm -hmm. I went to four in the river. Didn't find it boring. Every time I watch Casablanca, I don't find it boring. Every time I watch Shawshank Redemption, I don't find it boring. I." Every time I listen to Pet Sounds, I don't mm -hmm. find it boring. That the idea, right, that repetition makes it boring, it it's just yeah. in all your mindset, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's all in what what you're bringing to it at that yeah. moment. So it's it's not just about Bruce; it's about you as a listener. Yeah. Um, but also about Bruce's mood, the band's mood, the location, the different crowd, the you know what happened during that particular day, um, you know, the set list, there's so many different variables in my mind that, you know, even as you say on, on that river tour, you, you're never getting the same show twice. It's, yep. it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, um, this is, I I've been very vocal about this. Um, I found out on Thursday before we were going to go on February 9th, Mm -hmm. I got a call that my brother who is fighting cancer, it, you know, the doctor said it, you know, he was in hospice. It's, it's done. He's going to go. And so um, it he was in Houston um, because of COVID protocols. They would not let anyone in the room with him except one mm -hmm. at a time. They would not let us sit in the waiting room. They wouldn't let, you know, wow. so, you know, I'm talking to my sister and she's like, what are you going to be to Houston for? You're going to sit in the car? You know, Dean would want mm -hmm. you to go to the show. And I said, okay. So, you know, Friday night, um, you know, when he says, I'll see you in my dreams, I won't lie. Mm -hmm. I was crying. And then on Monday, uh, you know, he passed. Oh, and so, so that trifecta, yeah, I, I joked about that. February was a weird month. Three shows, <laughs> losing my brother, getting COVID, um, talk about the best of times worst of times so yeah. but you know and also what if you meet some really cool people before the show mm -hmm. or you're sitting next to people like my son took me to wrestlemania this past summer mm -hmm. uh, he wanted me to go with him and we had like a dozen people around us and afterwards chris was like that was the best crowd ever we yeah. had so much fun and 
so and sometimes you're in that whether you're in the pit or sitting if the people around you are having as much fun it really can help the show yeah absolutely and and in this case in in milwaukee the you know the group of like six people that i that i was with um you know we're all close friends but don't get to see each other all the time necessarily um and we've all gone to a lot of Springsteen shows and and other shows together. Um, And this was the first time that that whole group was together again, Um, you know, as as kind of a unit and and going through this experience together again. And and that makes all the difference. You know, it it almost didn't matter what happened on stage at that point. You know, once I saw everyone and um, and we were all hanging out and laughing and joking and, you know, you just see those group dynamics kick in. it's it's just great. It takes you it takes you away. You've you've done you've talked about that you don't count, but it's been a fair amount of shows. Yep. Um are there do you have some surprises that you went, oh my goodness, I can't hearing that? Like for me, I was in Houston when he did I, if I was the priest for the first time in fifty years. Nice. Nice. That was like, oh my goodness, we we're all there. <laughs> and my and my wife, who's the casual fans, like, why are y'all getting excited? <laughs> You know, I, we just watched the film on Apple Plus and he played it. I mean, you know, why are you? <laughs> yeah. Focus. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely, you know, again, a lot of my friends really like to track everything and, yeah. you know, and, and just have much better memories than I do, clearly, mm-hmm. um, because they could tell it like just at a moment's notice, think of you know, the year, the date, you know, yeah. what part of the set it was, you know, and, and to me, you know, again, I don't mean to sound like I'm just, you know, taking everything for granted, but like, it all kind of melds together over the years, you know, it's, um, each one is amazing in its own way at the time. And then yeah. kind of after a year or two, I, I don't remember, was it this show or that show? <laughs> um, and, but there's still some that, that really stand out, um, uh, you know, the wild and innocent, Innocent and the East Street Shuffle show mm-hmm. um, when he was doing album shows for a while. Um, see, and even when I, as I say that, I'm like, I know everyone else knows what year that was. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I have to interrupt you with, I had a guy on once that I adored him because he's like, yeah, so we were living in Austin during the, <laughs> uh, during the magic tour. And then we went, and that's how he, where, yeah. where he lived. Now yeah. my, my son, who is a massive Dallas Cowboy fan, he goes, yeah, that was the year that we lost to the, you know, the, the Green Bay during the playoffs and he could do right. that. I can't think of that either. You know, it yeah. all kind of rolls together with me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he was doing those album shows. And I remember I already, I already had tickets, I think, for a couple of shows. And then I, I remember like sitting in the newsroom late one night when they announced that these which show is which and which albums he was going to be doing and I just screamed so loud that one of the other reporters came like running over to make sure I hadn't been you know killed and um because I realized I was getting wild and innocent and um and I think also and it's funny because I also was getting born in the USA and my first thought was like eh you know no big deal and then um I went to these shows again with my with my uncle my concert buddy and I remember he, and he had the same feeling about Born in the USA and the, and the two of us are sitting there, um, you know, in the Meadowlands and we're like, why were we not excited about this? This album is amazing, you know? <laughs> um, so, so those were fun, but especially Wild and Innocent. I mean, yeah, again, a lot of songs I didn't think I'd ever hear or at least ever hear again, um, mm-hmm. you know, and hearing them obviously in, in that order and, and knowing it was all, it was all coming out that night. Um, I, I have a distinct memory of seeing the tuba come out and being surprised. And I'm like, how could you not notice the tuba come out? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and from then on, I decided uh, every rock band should have a tuba player. That, that's just my, my feeling now. <laughs> so, um, a couple of years ago, I was at a Penn and Teller uh, act and exactly. there was, oh, yeah, I just adore them. I, I listened to his podcast and there was a trick where they changed the background and I'm like, how did that happen? And so mm-hmm. when I went and saw it a second time, I was specifically watching for this switch 
-hmm. Well, the same thing. You're like, when did the horns get on stage? Wait a minute. How did I miss four horn people coming on stage? And oh, where's the background scenes? (laughs) Is there risers underneath or something? (laughs) Are they performing? This is the magic trick he's talking about. Right. It's it's so funny when you realize that, that you were so transfixed on something else that you yes. didn't even notice something happening right in front of you. Um, yes. And that's, that's a pretty cool trick. So I'm going to switch gears just for a mm-hmm. moment. Sure. Um, in 2020, mm-hmm. um, I was laid off in January, like the second or third day of January. Oh, and uh, I know. And um the company I was with now uh, made me an offer and it was toward the end of January, 1st of February. And they said, we want you to start February 10th, which thank goodness I didn't have to look for a job during COVID, but we had about a little over a week before Mm -hmm. my wife, I had to start. So Mm -hmm. we went to Memphis for the weekend. You see where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) And we had the best time. Um, the Civil Rights Museum absolutely go. Mm-hmm. I stacks. I have been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and I have been the Stacks Museum. And Stacks is smaller, but it is just as impressive. Awesome! I'm really excited. Um, yeah. As I said, I've never been there before, um, and it's my my birthday weekend mm-hmm. next month, and so um, I'm going to meet one of my oldest friends. Um, who I really only see once a year or every other year. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're just going to spend a couple of days, but I'm trying to pack everything in. Um, The the itinerary is already a little bit ambitious. Yeah, they have all kinds of music museums. We went to everyone we could. We went and made sure that every place we played um, had live music and had a great moment. Um, We were at a place for lunch and there were, two a duo two guys playing you know music and my wife always jokes because i'm gonna ask for a bruce song <laughs> and um and 80 percent of the time maybe not high 60 percent i'm gonna get uh, i'm on fire that's just that's yep. if you're a singer songwriter right. it's easy and they did oh okay um and they did tougher than the rest oh nice. and i'm like nice <laughs> they are people yeah they are our people thank you that was really nice so yeah um you're gonna have a great time graceland okay. is cheesy but it is okay. worth it it is worth seeing <laughs> yeah. um it is um i'm sure you've been told this before but um almost everyone who tours especially musicians are kind of laughing about it till they get to the gold and platinum record room and they kind of go oh wow (laughs) yes so good and lots of great places to eat you'll have fun of course you're gonna eat ribs you're gonna have a blast so enjoy yourself so much sounds good thank you yes is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't besides the mary question uh (laughs) um no, I don't think so. Um, okay. I, I will. I will say. I guess after, um, you know, if anyone doubts how I felt about the Milwaukee show, um, based on what I what I wrote about it or said, um, I did buy tickets for both Wrigley shows. So <laughs> I'm I'm still all all in, and I'm excited yes. to, to see um, to see if and how uh, the tour evolves by then. Um, oh. That's that's August, I guess. So what was funny is, you know, Linda, my wife was going on Friday night and then um, Tuesday was February 14th and we were in Houston and um, I said, do you want to go? It's Valentine's Day. Like, I'm going to go whether you go or not, but do you want to, I would rather you go with me. So she said yes. And when she found out the set list wasn't changing, mm-hmm. it was kind of, well, I thought that was the deal. I mean, I'm right. a casual fan, but I thought that changed. That was one of the reasons I said yes. Right. I said, well, I don't know. And <laughs> so she 
both my son and her on the way home from Dallas said, well, okay, if we get that set list again, I'm not going to complain. That was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) So yes, that is great. (laughs) Yes, uh, absolutely. So I, yeah, we got to have you back on, uh, in Chicago. Um, this has been a blast. I just appreciate it so so much. Um, so, uh, if you are a friend of Deb's and you're listening to this, thank you. She has done you very proud. Um, the I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a writer, former uh, high school teacher mm-hmm. that um, when when he was teaching, he would give his class the lyrics to Thunder Road. They would treat it as a poem. They would compare it to like Robert Frost poems. Mm-hmm. They'd look at the imagery. They'd talk about the themes. And at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? So Deb, mm-hmm. that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Um, yeah, I, I think I think she does. I think, you know, that that record for the most part was was full of hope. Um, and, and so I think she got in the car, but I don't know that they went anywhere special. (laughs) Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he, he whisked her off to some foreign land. I think, you know, they went a couple of towns over, you know, had kids too early, didn't work out. And then darkness on the edge of town came, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think she got in though. Well, I, I I love that answer. That's a good answer. Uh, I get that more. I have heard that um, a lot of times they go, yeah, at the very first gas station, when he goes to get a cigarette, she goes, what the hell am I doing? Right. What are you doing um, here? Yeah. Uh, one of my most sentimental answers was someone said, she absolutely gets in the car. They make it all the way to California and uh, Moonlight Motel is him mourning her death. Oh, I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, That is good. Well, great. Um, Deb, do you have anything to promote? Um, I don't. Okay. Well, then if someone (laughs) wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Deb Filsman um, or on Instagram at Deb Snoops. That sounds perfect. Have a great time in Memphis. Enjoy yourself. Um, The... You know, the the Stacks Museum will make you smile. The Civil Rights Museum will make you feel just. All the is, it, yes, I mean, <laughs> just all the feels, yeah. you know, and it's just it, it's so well done. So um, I, I hope you have a great time. Thank, Thank you, you so much for spending time with me tonight. This is wonderful. If I can convince Linda to go to Chicago, I will let you know. And uh, we, we, can, uh, we can try to do a, a meetup beforehand. Yeah, so, that sounds great. All right. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. Well, I am glad. Listeners, um, go follow her on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you think. But for now, be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them. 
but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.